Welcome to Grit, Guts, and Determination, the Leadville Race Series podcast. I'm your host, Cole Clover, son of race founder, Ken Clover. And I'm going to take you on a journey of rich storytelling through our now 40-year rich history. And I invite you to sit back and listen to these eccentric stories. But don't forget to take a few notes along the way because these eccentric stories are going to have tricks and tips to get you to that line come summer. So sit back, enjoy, and then we'll see you at home. We'll see you in Leadville. Leadville family, this episode of Grit, Guts, and Determination is very special, but it's going to hit a little harder than most. Today, I have a very special and beautiful soul joining me. His name is Drew Peterson. He is a professional skier who grew up just over the hill in Summit County. Drew is also privately for many years battled a lot of demons with PTSD, a bipolar disorder, and a suicidal ideation. Uh, He didn't realize all of this until many years later, but his suicidal thoughts started very young at age nine. Uh, This is a conversation I will admit I am not good at. Uh, It seems to infect the world more and more today. And it's these special souls such as Drew that are willing to open up, share their vulnerability, and help us better have these conversations as we go forward as a society and as we go forward as a family. So without further ado, please welcome professional skier, very talented artist, storyteller, and writer, Drew Peterson, and hear how he's overcome the bad and deals with it daily to get to the good. And his next journey is going to be with many of you as he makes his way on to that Leadville Trail 100 starting line this August in search of that magical red carpet and the silver and gold that follow. We have a saying in Leadville, you don't find Leadville, Leadville finds you. Well, Drew, when did Leadville find you? I guess Leadville found me right when I was born. (laughs) (laughs) I grew up just over the pass in Summit County in Silverthorne, and I was born in Vail because back then Summit County didn't even have a hospital. (laughs) uh, You know, I started spending some time in Leadville pretty early on as a kid. Uh, yeah, I do remember those times where I've, I've just got a few years on you, but yes, absolutely. Now, uh, before we dig too into your athletics, I really want to talk a little bit about who you were as a boy. I understand you definitely had some struggles and intensities that you may have faced during that time, and uh, I'm sure they were confusing. Would you like to speak to us about that? Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's largely described as just being really intense. And, uh, you know, I think that most of the people around me when I was a kid just thought that I was really emotional. Yeah. Um, and I was. <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, but in hindsight, a lot of the things start to add up and make sense. Um, and in the recent years of my life, like the last five years especially of my adult life, I've been on this mental health journey and I've, you know, figured out that I have type two bipolar disorder and it, it makes a lot of sense now, like why I had temper tantrums as a kid, but it also makes a lot of sense why like now I channel so much of my energy into running and skiing Yeah, and I did similar as a kid. I just maybe didn't know why I needed to do that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's really the story of who I am now, but just kind of making sense of myself over a lifetime for sure now that's a very difficult thing and i'm sure being young hard to be cognizant of like how old were you when you were first having these struggles and just how dark were the struggles at that young of an age yeah um the the earliest memory that i have of suicidal thoughts was when i was nine years old okay and i remember that because i was in fourth grade and um, that's, 
that's been something that like I've uncovered through yeah. years of therapy to like even remember those memories existing within my head because you blocked them out yeah yeah i blocked them out and tried to you know dissociate and spent uh well over a decade of my life trying to just pretend all that stuff wasn't real um and yeah back then like i didn't really know what was going on like Mm -hmm. i thought that i was the only person in the world who was having thoughts like that and um that manifested itself in um, being a really intense kid and being a perfectionist, tried to channel into, tra- tried to channel it into my athletics and my academics. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it, it, uh, it's something that took a long time for me to unpack. Well, sure. So, okay. At nine and, and fourth grade, you're starting to uncover this anger. Um, but I think you've kind of answered this who were you first able to share it with and how long after was it that you shared that actual moment of that beginning in time that you know of? Yeah. I'm like back then I really consider it as a pretty separate chapter. Um, obviously it's all, it's all me, but yeah, really it's been in like the last, uh, five years of my life. I went on a journey of uh having an accident in the mountains that was a near-death experience and then that turning into what i figured out was ptsd and that was the first time that i ever asked for help in my life and yeah that's when i learned how to find a therapist uh which was a process in itself and then you know like literally the first day with her i you know admitted to having suicidal thoughts and she's the first person that i had told that and it was a huge weight off my chest. Well, and we're definitely going to unpack more of that later because I definitely want to get deeper on a lot of that. But let's talk a little bit more about you before that then. So here you are with these struggles in neighboring Silverthorne, and boy, do we think that's some country. But uh, did you notice this playground that you were in at the time, like where you... When did you adapt to skiing and were you facing all this with your emotions right away or did this take time to understand the merging of of like the outdoors or the skiing and your mental uh, struggles? I think it took time to understand that there was that intersection Mm -hmm. and that combination, but like from a really young age, uh, the outdoors being in the mountains, my connection to them was a constant all throughout my life. Yeah. Like we grew up pretty much with the national forest out our back door. <laughs> For sure. Like as a kid, like my, my parents used to let me and my brother go out in the woods so long as we took our dog with us. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So like, man, we were probably pretty, pretty young, like <laughs> just able to like walk around enough to take our dogs. So, yes. Yeah. Grew up right in it. And, you know, I was I was pretty much born on skis. Um, <laughs> my my parents like put me on. I think it was like plastic skis in the driveway when I was one, and then uh-huh. like skiing for real when I was two. And okay, like yeah, uh, probably probably explains why I can ski better than I can walk. <laughs> sure, I had a similar thing with my dad, but you've taken it much further than myself for sure. Um, okay, so. That has always helped. It's always been a part of your life. Let's get back to this mental illness topic. It's such an important topic for me because I feel like it's it hits a lot of our runners in your movie Ups and Down Up Ups and Downs, which I want to talk more about later. You do speak about mental illness in the be- beginning for you being such a taboo subject. And let me tell you, it's been a lot like that growing up with my father. I feel guilty that I've been the same way. I I haven't, you know, he's always taught me uh, this kind of robotic way of moving forward. And I guess I've always been a ball of nerves, but I've been able to shut it off many times and just move forward with his advice. Now, the reason this topic is so important for me is I feel like my dad, I feel like I'm getting better just with corporate America being the tone it is today and a few other items. But uh, can you explain how best to talk to somebody in your situation 
maybe without having that empathy right away or that quite that understanding how do you approach those conversations number one thing is just be human yes okay yeah um you know if you if you're talking to somebody who's struggling or you know if you want to connect with somebody on a deep level Mm -hmm. like the number one thing to do is listen yeah be there look them in the eyes and you know don't treat them any differently right for having those struggles okay like you know for me like as i started opening up about this stuff it was like it was really like learning how to tell anyone how to tell friends right you know it took some practice to figure out how to do that but the friends who have stuck around and who i'm deeper with who i have a deeper connection with Mm -hmm. are the friends who look at me the same as they did before I told them I was thinking about killing myself. Right. Like, right. Those are, um, those are people who just, you know, connect on that human level. So I think like, I think too, you know, for a lot of people listening to this, they might yeah. be wondering like, how do I help somebody going through it? And yeah. like everyone in this world is in need of human connection. They're in need of a friend. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're not expecting you to have all the answers. They're not expecting you to be a psychologist or a neuropsychiatrist. <laughs> like they just want a friend. So, you know, just talk to them. Yeah. There. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I'd say listen more than you talk. <laughs> well, that's, and that's great advice. I think that's definitely, uh, something I definitely need to do more of. And, uh, I think it gives our listeners a good basis of, uh, you know, a little more understanding there. Um, Now let's move back into your skiing a little bit, Uh, a little easier topic just for a second. Now, you weren't just a skier. You really excelled as a skier. Um, You've actually taken on some pretty extreme and serious disciplines. Let's talk about how far you've taken that for a second. Yeah, well, it's it's cool to have this conversation with you um, and be on the Leadville podcast. Yeah, because it's really fun that people want to talk about running. Because <laughs> normally everybody just wants to talk about skiing with me, so um, that's that's pretty fun. Um, but yeah, um, I'm a professional skier. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I think what most people know me as. Yeah, like that's kind of my uh, my day job. So yes, to speak. for sure. Yeah, which is a, which is a funny thing to call my day job. <laughs> I'd uh, like to have it, but I'm I'm not nearly good enough. It's it's pretty awesome. Um, my my flavor of skiing is primarily skiing in the backcountry. Mm-hmm. I ski a lot of powder. Mm-hmm. I like climbing up mountains and skiing down them and skiing big lines. Okay. Um, but I but I really love like every walk of skiing. Um, like. I love skiing in bounds at the resort and uh-huh. skiing bumps. Like, okay. Yeah, it's a it's all fun. It, um, skiing has really like shaped my life track. Skiing was my compass for the majority of my life, and yeah. it still is. It's still one of my compasses. Sure. I've got I've got some more in my uh, <laughs> you know orienteering kit now. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, um, and skiing's taken me kind of all over the world. Um, it's it's pretty amazing, um, especially from growing up, you know, like right. I said, right over the pass in Summit. Right. Like skiing at a basin to, you know, skiing in ski movies and uh-huh. traveling the world. Well, so, okay, as a thrill-seeing skier, I'm sure it isn't all a bed of roses, and I'm sure it isn't an injury-free career. In fact, I know you've had a lot of setbacks. Um, do these setbacks make that mental struggle that you go through? Does that make it harder because of the absence of your love or your day job? Or does it kind of empower you a sense to return stronger and take the focus away from your mental struggle? Well, it's all of the above. Okay. So, like, for me, you know, when I say that skiing was my compass in life. Yes. And now it's one of my compasses. Like, skiing was all I had Uh for so much of my life. and when you commit so much of your life to one thing, when it's taken away, that's going to send you for a tailspin. So I've dealt with more than my fair share of injuries. I'm 28 years old and I've had 13 surgeries. Goodness. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I still laugh every time I say that because um, it's pretty insane, honestly. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, I mean, that's uh, the, the impact of broken bones. One thing, surgery is a whole other deal. Yeah, um, <laughs> but you know, like when when I'd go through those waves and cycles of injuries mm-hmm. and skiing was taken away from me, it it made things a lot harder for me, for sure. Like mm-hmm. there's a huge correlation there with when I would go into really dark periods of my life and into deep depressive episodes. Mm-hmm. But the flip side of that is that the amount of injuries that I've faced and the severity and how it's like really messed up a lot of my life track is what has forced me to look inwards Mm -hmm. and by looking inwards i was able to find that emotional and mental healing and through that i've actually found physical healing secondary to that because i think that for a long time i was getting hurt because i had all of this mental and emotional trauma rooted in my physical body interesting And, you know, it's all very new because a lot of the stuff that we're talking about and we're going to talk about for the rest of this podcast Uh is, like, very recent history for me. Sure, yes. But, like, I am so much healthier and stronger and I was able to heal from my injuries and put muscle back on when I started taking seriously what was going on inside in my mind. Okay. Okay, now let's talk about probably your worst injury on May 10th, 2017. You had an injury so serious that you were almost ready to let it all go in that moment. Um, What happened that day and what was it like to process that experience? Yeah, so May 10th, 2017 is why I kind of reference like the past five years of my life. Mm Because... I just recently at the start of this summer passed that five-year anniversary and on that day I was climbing and skiing Mount Hood in Oregon. I was on a road trip to climb and ski every uh, the highest peak in every state of the American West and um, we can go into as many details as you want. Go into as deep. <laughs> that's up to you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, uh, like I'm an open book. Like I'm very comfortable talking about all this stuff. Like I'm, hit us I'm with, with it. it so. Yeah. That's what um, we want to hear. Yeah. On that day, uh, we were, uh, we were skiing on the east face of the mountain and something wasn't right with the line that we were on. Mm-hmm. Um, it looked like there had probably been a wet slide avalanche. Okay. Um, probably the day before because we had really good beta from, I forget if it was like two or three days before that, but um, things didn't look look right. The line didn't look skiable uh-huh. where we were. So we decided to climb off that face of the mountain. And when I was transitioning my skis, um, heard the crack of rockfall, which for people who spend a lot of time in the mountains, it's a really distinct <laughs> noise. Yes. It's uh, like what I compare it to is like, it's like the sound of a gunshot, mm-hmm. but like before the bullet leaves the barrel, Uh huh. like, you know what's happening, but like, it's really eerie because the sound actually comes before the rock falls. So we heard that sound and, um, there's no time to like look up when you hear that you um, like, you don't want to take a rock to the face. So I just immediately like basically like turtled over and like put my face down to the snow and um, you know, in uh, across an entire mountain, it was the first rock that fell all day and it fell from about 40 feet directly above me. And it was about the size of a microwave and it fell directly on top of me. It hit me in the back of the head, in the middle of my upper back and on my left arm. And so my helmet definitely saved my life. And that's why we wear helmets when we're ski mountaineering in the spring is for rock fall danger. Mm-hmm. You just never think it's actually going to happen. Yes. Um, but, you know, that's why I'm still here today. And uh, my my left arm was bleeding uh profusely and uh so we we made the decision to self-rescue off of that face of the mountain um 
you know, one, because there's a risk of me bleeding out on the hillside. And then two, because it would have put other people at risk to come rescue me. Okay. So um, we tied a tourniquet on my left arm um, to cut off blood flow and then self-rescued off the mountain, climbed off that face, skied down the south side. And then I got a helicopter <sighs> to uh, Portland, Oregon. And, you know, the, the crazy thing about all of this and, you know, for people familiar with my story or my film is that I, that I basically walked away with, uh, you know, relatively no injuries. Right. Um, <laughs> like I was literally able to walk out of the hospital that night. Uh huh. Um, my arm wasn't broken. My back wasn't broken. My neck wasn't broken. Um, you know, now in hindsight, I sustained a really severe concussion, but that oh. was, that went undiagnosed that day. And then, um, I've got, uh, I've got a torn muscle in my back that still kind of annoys me. Um, <laughs> and that took a while to, to get like some mobility back in my thoracic spine. Um, you know, but largely I got, uh, I really was the luckiest human on the planet that day. And fortunately here I am, but you know why that's so significant and, you know, that's why we're talking about it is that that was really the beginning of my tailspin downwards. And that marked the beginning of a really dark time in my life. That's when I went into really dark depression. And that's when a lot of my injury cycles started too. I, uh, in the three years after that, I had three back to back to back season ending injuries. And Oh God. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it, it just was, kept compounding after that time with the injury thing. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was hell for a few years there. Well, like I said, we'll get back into the movie, but, you know, uh, there's a GoPro clip of you at this moment with your partner. And, I'd, you know, while you talk about how dark it is, um, and, it, and I'm sure it is, and we're going to unpack that a little more, but the interesting thing is you go from having these thoughts to what did you say to your partner in that GoPro clip? Yeah. Um, one, it's just like crazy that we have that on camera. Yes, it is. <laughs> it was the thing like where you like go to like stop recording uh -huh. and you like, you don't know that your GoPro is not on. So you actually start recording. Okay. So I didn't even know to like, man, it was at least a month afterwards. But okay. I like plugged a memory card into the computer and I oh, was God. like, holy shit. There's, yeah. You know, there's a 17 minute clip yeah. on this camera. Like that has to be the accident. And, right. And sure enough. But um, yeah, it's, um, it's really poignant um, that it um, makes it into that film for that reason. But also because it captures the moments afterwards where we're making those hard decisions and self-rescuing off the mountain. And, um, I forget exactly what I say, but man, I, I say a lot of things <laughs> say, I say, um, here's another funny thing actually, is I say, I love you, bro. Yeah. And that GoPro has like voice control. Uh huh. And I think when I said bro, it thought I was saying GoPro. Okay. So there's actually two clips. And I think like when I said, I love you, bro, like it thought I was saying, stop recording GoPro. Okay. And then like, obviously I say that again. And it was thought I said, start recording GoPro. So there's actually another clip, but, um, yeah, I mean, I say, you know, we're going to make it through this and yeah, yeah, we're going to, I'm going to survive. I'm going to live. And well said. I made that happen. You did. And so you, you decide in that moment, well, so what was it that changed in that moment for you? Like what, what was it that gave you the opposite thought instead of like, oh, great. This will finally end my time to no, I'm not ready to check out. Yeah. You know, at that, at that point in time, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't struggling as, as bad as I have in the years since, but okay. even when I've been depressed and even when I've been suicidal, there's still like that ounce of me 
that like really does want to live and like I can still objectively see like the value and the like awe and amazement in being alive and Mm -hmm. you know I can still like objectively see that there's a reason to be here Mm -hmm. when I'm depressed and when I'm suicidal it's really hard to like believe that reason but I know it's there so I think that in that instant like in that moment after after the rock fall accident it like it like uprooted like that most core desire and like really it is an innate sense of self-preservation like from evolution yeah to stay alive yeah and yeah i'm fortunate that i still have that and i still had that in that instance because that's what powered me through well sure Uh, absolutely and now okay you're starting your recovery part of that recovery is you start going to a therapist and that therapist asks you a question um do you want to get into that Sure. Um, actually, I'd I'd be really psyched to share a little story that Please. I've never shared anywhere else. Um, it it took me it took me over a year to to follow through on finding a therapist, and um, so like for over a year, I was I was really struggling there, and um, that next winter, I was just like so confused and I. Uh, like the way that I described it is that like, it was like, I was a ghost, like following around my own body, just like watching myself go through the motions of life, but not like actually being there and not being engaged. And, um, that ski season ended with, um, with back to back shoulder dislocations, both shoulders. And like, I don't just mean like one shoulder dislocation, my season's over. I mean, like, like, okay dislocated like maybe i can keep going and then it just like starts going out like every single day oh man. Um, yeah so i so i got back-to-back shoulder surgeries um, oh god and like i was going i was going through hell like i lost a friend in an accident in the mountains my parents house in silverthorne almost burned down in a wildfire like it, it felt like i was just like honestly just getting the shit kicked out of me yeah like, every way like, you turn yeah one after another and then in um in august of 2018 is when i finally decided that i was going to find a therapist and when i was able to follow through and what's really amazing about that and why i want to share it is it coincided with the uh 2018 Ledbo 100 okay yeah um, okay that was uh that was the year that rob Cryer ran uh, under 16 hours he's got some good stories <laughs> in race history and um you know, i didn't know rob at the time and i've met him since which has been really cool but um he was a big inspiration to me um because he's uh he's really a leader in this mental health space especially in our uh running and ultra running community and you know it was kind of just the perfect storm that like my life was on the rocks at that point in time. And simultaneously I was finding inspiration from what he was doing. Um, because like his story really resonated with me at that exact same time. Like literally that exact same. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that that article coming out and outside. Yeah. That same weekend that he won Leadville. And so like, that was a, that was a huge turning point in my life. That was the weekend when I asked my mom and my brother to hold me accountable to finding a therapist and, um, you know, crazy other things. Actually, I was running over in Summit County and I, I tripped and fell and broke my collarbone. So oh God. like, I was like really on the rocks at that point, like third surgery in like, I don't know, three, four months. Oh, so man. yeah, like that, that's like the cool part though. Um, yeah, you know that's kind of like come full circle, and I I shared that um, with Rob in in a bit more detail, but yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's that's something I really wanted to share here too, because um, you know, like that was a huge turning point, and then like you ask me like 
that was when I went to therapy for the first time. And when I, when I met my therapist and like, she asked me if I was having suicidal thoughts and I said, yes, you know, I was finally able to, to open up. Yeah. That was a huge turning point in my life. And it's crazy. (laughs) Like I've just been reflecting on this a lot lately, you know, prepping for the race, but that's only four years ago. Well, yeah, turning point in my life happened. Just the heaviness of that question makes me tear up. Um, Now, with that, is that when you were first diagnosed with any mental health issues? Or did you learn before? Or was that where you really, really started to learn what what it was you were dealing with? Yeah, that was the first time I was diagnosed. Okay. I, I knew walking into that room that there was for sure something. Um, I think it was just like the most obvious thing was PTSD. Okay. Now coming through to these realizations, was that a relief to learn of having these conditions or did it alleviate you or was this sort of a, made it more melancholic? Yeah. Um, I, I actually really appreciate you asking that question (sighs) because as I've like started to open up more and share my story, like Uh this is a question that, um, that I get from a lot of people who are like in it and living it. Um, and so like to follow that PTSD diagnosis, it, it took a lot more, at least a full another year before I got my diagnosis of type two bipolar disorder. And then also post concussion syndrome, which was, I was still suffering the neurological deficits of undiagnosed, unhealed, untreated concussions. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. You know, namely from the Rockfall incident. Okay. So, like, that, like, stretch in my life felt like I was getting a lot of diagnoses, like, thrown at me uh-huh. and, like, put next to my name. Uh-huh. And it felt like I had to, like, add more lines to the, like, intake form when okay. I was at the doctor's <laughs> office. And, like, in that regard... I felt a little bit like a science experiment. Yeah. And it felt a little bit dehumanizing. But then there was a flip side that was way stronger Uh and like at a way higher volume was that it validated what was going on. It meant that there was a reason. Yeah. It meant that I wasn't just making all of this up. Yeah. Like, there's a struggle. Yeah, it's, you know, like having something quote unquote wrong mm-hmm. means there's something that we can do about it. Right. So those diagnoses were really like a gift, you know. It was the first time something was wrong. Yeah. Essentially. It, I mean, yeah, it definitely it, wasn't, but. Yeah, well, it, it it offered an opportunity. Okay. It offered an opportunity to heal, to do something about it and you know, offered an opportunity to actually approach these things head on. For sure. Now, it's also my understanding that you've taken your passions of skiing and mental health even further, using these two platforms together to tell your story. You are a very talented artist. Uh, You've been writing, directing, other expressions of your creativity, did these compare to the value of skiing or running as you battle these demons as a release for this sort of stuff or a way to compartmentalize it? <laughs> Those creative outlets are definitely another positive. Like they're another, you know, channel of expression. And uh-huh. They are something that I could lean on. You know, like I really leaned on writing when I was going through tough injury cycles that were keeping me from skiing, okay, I would write about skiing. Yes. And so that kept me, you know, connected to that passion, connected to the community, gave my brain something creative to do. Um, yeah. And I think that it's just kind of like always been sort of like hand in hand with yeah. every piece of me yeah. to have these creative expressions. Yeah. But it took until like pretty recently to like give myself a little credit there like okay like uh yeah like valuing what you just called me like an artist yes and like i still remember like my elementary school art teacher just saying like (laughs) you're just bad at art like 
Just wait till like the next class period. Well, hey, I, I'm giving it another spoiler alert, <laughs> but to put together what you did with all the content and storyline and everything of ups and downs, I mean, that's visual art, creative art, storytelling. I mean, there's just so much depth to that piece. And then, like you said, you told me all these places I could learn more about you, but if I really wanted to watch that. Holy shit, were you right, man. I mean, that could not have been more spot on. And so, yeah, like, love it or not, you're an artist. So, <laughs> hey, let's get into this artistic side of you. Um, not long ago, you produced the show Ups and Downs. And while that sounds like the perfect ski film title, you created this work to show more of that mental side, Ups and Downs, through your skiing. And it, I believe it's a very powerful piece of work. For those who have not seen it, can you describe it and your vision around it and please tell our Leadville family where they can find it? Yeah, definitely. So Ups and Downs is it's a film that I wanted to create for a really long time. It's the film telling my personal story, the story that I most want to share with the world. It's everything that we're talking about mm -hmm. because I knew that when I was living this reality that sharing this with the world would be able to help other people. So I knew pretty early on, actually, that when I made it through, that I would want to share this. And film was just the perfect medium for it mm -hmm. because it offered the opportunity to weave together skiing and my personal story that goes a lot deeper than skiing. Yes. yes. I, I always joke that it's a, it's a ski movie that's about a hell of a lot more than skiing. <laughs> Well, yes, it is for sure. Yeah. Um, and so I, I guess before I forget, for the listeners out there, you can go online. It's on YouTube. If you just search my name, Drew Peterson, Ups and Downs, it will come up. It's on the Solomon, it's on the Solomon TV YouTube page. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the film that I created um, last year. Um, we only released it. In, in February of this year so it's all very recent it's um, really chronicles it connects this lifelong journey to what I experienced in this condensed really accelerated <laughs> acute mental health journey of the past handful of years okay and the reason it's titled ups and downs is because it is a really simple overlay with the ups and downs and the mountains and valleys of ski touring uh -huh. and the reason that we did that and the reason that I really was adamant about doing it that way was because I wanted it to I wanted it to be real yeah. I think that my story definitely lends itself to making kind of the classic outdoor adventure film where yeah. <laughs> you have the character at their nadir, at their lowest point, and then you show them literally and metaphorically climbing the mountain, and then you end it with them standing on top of the summit, arms raised in triumphant uh -huh. fashion, uh -huh. saying, fuck yeah, I made it. Yeah. And, you know, then I ski off into the sunset. And, like, we could have made that film. I think, like, people would have loved it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it, it might've, might've gotten more eyeballs or more funding or whatever. Cause it's like, you know, Euphoric it's that, ending and, yeah, yeah. it's that fuck yeah energy. But like, that wasn't real to me. Yeah. Because, like the reality of this journey that I've been on, the reality of mental health for anyone like me out there uh -huh. is that there's not an ending. There's, right. um, you know, I say it in the film is that, uh, climbing a metaf climbing a mountain isn't really that great of a metaphor for life because there's no summit. Right. And that is so true to mental health. And that's what I've really learned. Like just because I was able to, you know, share this with the world and get myself to a place where I'm confident and comfortable with like this, like other side of me, this dark yeah. side of me, like it doesn't mean that this is over for me. Like, you know, this is still an everyday reality for me. Yeah, you shut that door, you still got that dark side there. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Well, and I'm, I'm super glad that you mentioned Rob Carr's journey 
and you know i mean we just i grew up with this race so the amount of people that have come from you know the drug oh you know very addictive drug worlds are the same kind of thing it's it's overwhelming and it's it's interesting and sad that we're just now talking about it um in the film you mentioned uh people seeing you on a high we just talked about it on that mountain on that podium um and you also tell us about not seeing the struggle that got you there the down the down that's to follow can you tell your leadville family um what they don't see during those times uh, for those of uh, more for your newer leadville family members i think your older ones can kind of relate <laughs> probably a little bit um uh, man i'd say i'd say go watch my film okay <laughs> it's, it's a 19 minute film so you got to take a little bit of time but it's it does a very good job of illustrating what that um you know that downside is uh-huh um you know like i say though that like my journey doesn't end at the end of that film is like, I still deal with these things day to day. Um, like I still deal with, uh, going through like pretty long depressive episodes. I'm really good at managing them so that they don't get as severe as they used to be. But what's different in managing them today? Oh, uh, well now, now I've got a much bigger toolkit. Yeah. Now I'm okay. much more aware. Now I'm much more intentional. So, you know, what I used to do was like, if I, if I was feeling down, I would go ski and I would go ski really hard and take risks. And then I would go to the bar and then I would probably drink till like two or 3 AM. And then I'd wake up early the next morning and go do it all again. Uh-huh. And, uh, that doesn't work for very long. <laughs> no, it doesn't. That's, that's all. So like my toolkit now is like, meditation keeping up with therapy like having meaningful like deep connection with friends in my life okay like it's it's quite it's different quite, than it yeah used to night be. And day from being younger you yeah exactly so okay you know that's that's what it that's what it can look like but um you know when i still have those downs like um this summer i've kind of been struggling to like kick this depressive episode and for me, it's like, um, it's hard to get out of bed. It's hard to focus. It's hard to motivate. Um, it's like, I, I can tell I'm depressed if it's like hard to motivate to go run. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I'm like, all right, like. You got to start digging fuck, into gotta, that toolkit. Yeah, I, I got to get on top of my things here, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think. The other thing is that running is a part of that toolkit, but, yeah. uh, but it's not all of it. And that's sure. Important. Um, yeah. And one, one thing that I want to hit on that you, that you mentioned, like before you asked that question, uh-huh. um, is it's really good to have this conversation like here, you know, leading up to the Leadville 100 in the town of Leadville and with the community that converges here <laughs> yeah. you know, in a couple weeks. Yeah. Because these problems and like these day-to-day struggles are very common in our community they're very common in every community we need to like normalize and get that out there first yeah but in in small mountain towns like ours there is a mental health crisis Mm -hmm. and in the endurance world and in the ultra world Mm -hmm everything we like (laughs) yeah yeah you know a lot of us are attracted to this lifestyle or these pursuits um from a similar chemical makeup that has addictive tendencies or might have a you know something off chemically that results in a diagnosable mental illness sure so this is really common in our community and what's like really cool for me personally to get to have this conversation mm-hmm. and like what's really cool too that like in two weeks i get to run that belt <laughs> is like the running community and running itself has brought me so much community and camaraderie and direction okay like the the running world is so much farther along than the ski world in this conversation okay and i really leaned into that when i was living it okay. i really 
lean into looking up to the people in the running world who are leaders mm-hmm. in this space. Like we mentioned Rob Carr, yeah. Alexi Pappas, yeah. Adam Campbell. Like these people really are having an impact larger than just the running world. So awesome. it's really cool. Like for me, I always say that it's like I've gotten to pay forward that inspiration by, you know, bringing this into the ski world. Yeah. And like, I guess it's a chance to come full circle to like, you know, get to connect in the running community mm-hmm. in the way that it held a lot of meaning and a lot of direction for me personally. Well, and I love that. And I mean, you're actually our first involvement with this type of story. So, I mean, it's even full circle on there. Um, after producing ups and downs in February of 2022, do you feel like you're making progress in this journey of sharing mental health? Uh, do you think it's uh, changing the subject to be a little less taboo around the conversations you're having? Yeah, definitely. I, In my brain, I want to jump to the word incredible. Yeah. To describe the response. Okay. But over the last year, like I've had to be really intentional about that because it's not incredible. It's very credible, the response that this has garnered because it resonates with a lot of people. Sure. And like, you know, if we just look at the statistics, like it makes a lot of sense that it would resonate with a lot of people. Right. But getting to live that and experience that and see that this past year has been incredible. Like, see there, I use the word because it's incredible to me. Yeah. Like it, it seriously like blows my mind every single day and it's overwhelming in the best way because you know, it's really only been one year Uh that I've been open about this stuff publicly. And so, you know, prominently. Right. And I've received over a thousand messages (laughs) of people saying to some effect, thank you for this. It makes me feel less alone. That's great. Like for me, it's actually made me feel a lot less alone too. Yes. And I knew that that was going to be one of the sides of it because it was like twofold for me, the motivation to do what I'm doing. Uh One was to help other people. And the second was to help myself. Right. Like, I I felt like I was silencing and shutting out this massive part of who I am by not sharing this stuff. And by now being able to do that, it's really fulfilling because I feel like I get to just be myself. Yeah, there's no hiding or no double double characters or anything like that. Yeah, it's it's great. It's uh it's really light. Okay. It, Uh, It takes, you know, that metaphorical weight from me. And for me, I'm trying to figure out now, like, how to express to other people, like, there's a thousand people in my direct messages. Right. Like, who feel just like you, too. And they're the only, that's just the ones voicing it. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, when I was living it, like, you know, like, when I was getting inspiration from Rob, like, because, like, I've met him since, but like, really, I'm just a fanboy of him. Sure. Like, <laughs> me too. <laughs> like, I didn't have the like courage to like send him a DM on Instagram to be like, hey, dude, I appreciate you. Yeah. Like, you know, as I've gained confidence, now I get to say that to him, which means a lot. But yeah, there are so many people out there this is resonating with. And it it shows that this conversation isn't just a conversation that our community needs to have. It's a conversation that our community wants to have. Yes. I think that's the important part of all this. We finally arrived at that time where we all want to have the conversation. That's a beautiful thing. Um, To lighten it up a little bit, how did the skiing turn to running and how do the two differ from you in, in these areas of, uh, you know, like fulfillment or, you know, getting your mind onto something else and has running, what, what does running give you that skiing does not? Running's been, uh, running's been there for my whole life, but it's like been like lurking in the background for parts of it. And Uh now it's really prominent Uh and running is like a core piece of who I am now. Okay. Um, 
but yeah, like looking back, it's kind of funny because there's like these little like missed things. Like, you know, I ran like one year of cross country and one year of track in middle school, but then like stopped doing that to dedicate myself to soccer and skiing. Uh-huh. And then I was just the opposite. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then, uh, and then like in high school, like I hid from my soccer coach that I ran a half marathon on the weekend because I didn't want him to like. <laughs> question yeah. my dedication so it's like it's kind of funny it's like man like it really makes sense that like running is a big part of my life now like it it kind of like just missed like yeah these opportunities to up. like yeah <laughs> um but for me like it it came it came out of a passion for the mountains and it uh-huh. came somewhat out of necessity actually about a lot of the stuff we're talking about um more on the physical side at first um when I like first started going through a lot of injuries skiing, I realized like I needed something else in my life. Uh-huh. And like now in hindsight, I'm like, man, like I should really should have come up with something that wasn't athletic <laughs> to put in my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But like at that point in time, like I wanted to run and uh, <sighs> running kind of became that other thing. And okay. it became something to uh, give my life direction in the summer. And it's it's cool, too, to be home in Colorado and be running around here this summer because, like, I remember when I was going through uh, rehab from uh, hip surgeries, I was I was pretty laid up. Like, well, yeah, yeah, I had a I was, cousin do that. I Yeah, that's a process. Yeah, that's definitely, like, the worst surgery I've been through. Okay. I've been through a few of them. But uh, that summer, I was still pretty laid up on crutches and just looking up at the peaks and daydreaming, like ways to connect here to there and run across the ridgelines. And like, it took a while, but I was able to rehab and, and get myself to a place where I could, I could lace up my shoes and go out the door and run. Okay. And, and ever since then, my passion and my love for it has just grown tenfold. Okay. Why Leadville? Leadville's a lifelong dream. I love it. No. <laughs> it's it's from like growing up as a kid uh-huh. in in Silverthorne. Yeah. Like Leadville weekend every summer was like, you know, it was kind of a holiday. Like okay. you knew that the race was happening that weekend. It was yeah. always like what everyone's talking about, even non-runners in yeah. the, in the community, <laughs> and like of course at that age, I had never heard anywhere else that somebody runs a hundred miles. Right, so like, right. That captured my imagination from a young age. I was like, someday in my life, I'm gonna do that. And you know, for everything that we're talking about right now. Um, you know, physical injuries, like having to look death in the face and and having to look myself in the face too. Uh-huh. I I just got to a point where I was like, why wait? Like, yeah. Like I That's that I think when I was a little younger I like justified it to myself as like, well, you know, I'll like do that when I like slow down with skiing yeah. a little bit. Like, you know, maybe when I'm thirty five, forty. <laughs> and uh-huh. And I just, I was like, why wait? Like, I want to do this right now. And yeah, and yeah, I've just dedicated myself to pursuing this. Okay. I know you got some help. So what's your race day plan? That's what are you going to use for crew or pacers? Or are you going to use any of that? Um, yeah, definitely. I know a little bit. So. De- de- definitely, <laughs> definitely have crew and pacers and I'm super grateful to their help because a hundred miles becomes a team sport pretty quickly. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but being here this summer has been really cool because I've gotten to spend a lot of time on the course. So, yeah. like, uh, with this last big block of training, I ran uh, sections of the course all in order for the okay. whole hundred, which was really cool. Yeah, yeah. And that helped me, like, kind of wrap my head around it and, like, strategize a little bit, figure out Perfect some pacing. Strategy. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I focus a lot of my training on, uh, 
heart rate training. So okay. like zone two training. Yeah. yeah. Um, so trying to stay aerobic and, you know, by being able to get on the course, I, I know kind of like what those paces are that are going to be able to keep me staying in the yeah. aerobic zone. And I'm kind of thinking of it as like, like town to Twin Lakes. Uh, Hope double and then Twin Lakes home. Okay, that's a good. I have a very similar, yeah. similar way of doing it myself. Yeah, so that's kind of a, thinking of it in thirds. Okay, I think I do fourths more than thirds, <laughs> but you know, same, same. Now, okay, why are you going to be successful? I guess it all comes down to like how you define success, and like for me. I'm defining success by having a really fulfilling day okay. in the mountains and going into that next frontier yeah. of myself okay. and getting acquainted with myself, acquainted with those mountains in that regard and pushing through and making it to the finish line. So that's what success looks like for me. Um, like I've got time goals. That uh -huh. I'm not going to share here. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's very fair. Just for the record, we all know that. <laughs> um, but, you know, I know that I'm going to be successful because I'm very clear on what's going to bring me to that finish line. And, you know, like I mentioned, like, uh, I ran my first 100 miler last year, and it was the same thing there. Like, okay. I'm, I'm very uh, clear but I'm making it to the finish. Well, I'm betting on you for sure. Um, now, we've talked about these struggles and how they don't end, but I'm going to ask you, who are you today? I always hate that question. It's like, <laughs> you, you can't just like put your identity in a box, you know? No, I mean, it could be a different answer tomorrow. For, it could be a different answer going back over that hill. Yeah, definitely. I am a very passionate human being who is grateful to be alive and to be on this planet and to have found my calling to help other people. I'm grateful to be connected to the natural world and have an intimate relationship with the mountains and find myself within them. That's who I am. Okay. If someone is in your situation, if you met younger you today, what would you do? I, I was literally <laughs> thinking about this in the shower today. Awesome. Because I'm prepping to, to go speak at a high school on okay. mental health. Okay. Like those are the most like meaningful interactions. Oh, yeah. Those are the kids that yeah. really need it where the, the problem I don't want to say really is because it is with you too. It's with all of us, like you say, but holy cow, what a young life to have to, in which you were as well. Yeah. And it's, it hurts to like think about the pain that the youth is experiencing in this day and age. Mm -hmm. But like the gen, the next generation is also where I find most hope and especially in mental health. They are open to this conversation. They want to have this conversation. They are so much more emotionally intelligent than so many adults that I have met. Okay. So, I mean, first off, like, right there, like, the next generation, like, has the ability to okay. bring this conversation forward in a meaningful way. But what I would say to a younger me is just be yourself. Don't okay. feel any shame for who you are mm -hmm. or for any parts of yourself. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Okay. Talk about it. Talk about everything. Okay. Especially before it gets bad. Okay. And, you know, another thing that I've learned and I think I'd pass on to my younger self is just the lesson of impermanence. Okay. And I think that's something that I've learned through running too. Awesome. Is like, okay. Like no matter how bad things are, mm -hmm. like it will pass. Okay. Okay. 
Great. Okay, where can people find out more about your struggles and your journey besides just ups and downs? Is there any other things you want to share with them? Definitely check up ups and downs on YouTube. Yeah, um, check out ups and downs on YouTube. And then the best place to connect with me online is through Instagram. My Instagram handle is Drew Peter Ski. And then you can also find me online at drew-peterson.com. And it's important to note my name is spelled with an S-E-N. And I did an S-O-N even on our invite today, and I apologize for that. See, I I don't take it personally at all, but, like, if I tell people to go look up Drew Peterson online, Uh he, like, he, like, killed his, like, first four wives or something. Oh, no. Yeah, like, he's a crazy serial killer. So, like, so, like, my, like, my Google results are, like, ruined, like, for the rest of my life. But, yeah, you can check out my website. You can also find ups and downs on there. You can find a lot of other stuff on there. Um, Links to like my speaking engagements and stuff like that. So um, yeah, check it out there. Um, And and is there anything else you want to share before I let you go? Um, yeah, actually one thing, uh-huh. and I realized I should have like told you this in an email before we recorded the podcast is I'm actually making another film right now. Okay. About Leadville. Awesome. What is, okay. What, tell us a little bit about it. Let's yeah. give a spoiler alert. There, there's a few different elements to it, but I wanted okay. to make a film combining skiing and running for a really long time. Okay. And Leadville felt like the perfect opportunity to finally make it happen. Okay. So this spring, I spent a lot of time out here skiing in the Sawatch, skiing the peaks that loom right over the course. Yeah. And the intention behind that was to build a deep connection and a deep relationship to these mountains mm-hmm. and to the Leadville course before <laughs> running season even comes along. And then the other element of that film is, of course, running Leadville. Okay. And through those two, I explore the connection to the mountains, but also the connection to myself because it was awesome to share like the core part of my mental health journey and my mental health story and ups and downs. But there's a lot of other pieces that I would love to share with the world. And so the other element of it is the mental health side. It's a lot of what we're talking about. It's, it's okay. my why of why I'm That's running hundred miles. That's the most important why reason to, to get you to the finish line is having a good why. So. Yeah. And yeah, so that, that's my next film and it's uh it's been really fun to to be working on that here so now i guess all i have to do is go around 100 miles and try not to mess that up so that we can have a good film well that's that's really neat you're gonna you know i there's something very magical about this place and i do believe you'll be rewarded for making that relationship with those mountains I also believe you're a big part of that magic. I'm a big part of that magic. And all of us who've come in contact with Leadville under the right terms. Um, Drew, I can't thank you enough for your openness and vulnerability today. It's been such a pleasure. Uh, I can't say this for all for us all enough, but the world's a much better place with you in it, man. And uh, I feel like there's a reason I'm meeting you. I feel like there's a reason your story's being told. So can't thank you enough. Thank you, Cole. I appreciate that so much. Well, thank you. Leadville family, when you meet Drew this August, you're going to find out quickly that his eyes are very kind and that he just uh, has this glow around him. You will probably not understand fully uh, what the talent he brings to the ski world really is. Uh, He's very, very talented, seen very many podiums, and that's what makes us so important. If he wasn't so willing to share his story, uh, all you see is the greatness And you don't see the struggle. And I think this infects more of us than we want to admit today. So it's just so special that we had such a special soul join us today. Share that story. Bring that vulnerability to the conversation. And I just hope that you all could take as much away from it as I did. 
Um, Drew Peterson has his own website. Uh, uh, that's Peterson with an E in. Um, you definitely also want to check out his YouTube movie, Ups and Downs. It's very empowering in these kind of conversations. And uh, once again, when you meet him this August, it's going to really be infectious to you in a good way. Uh, remember to give each other credit out there. We're all in this together. And though our journeys make cross paths here, our struggles that got us here have not been the same. I also ask that we all hold ourselves accountable. If you know somebody who is battling depression and suicide, please, please help them get that help that they need. One way is the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 800 273 8255 or online at www.suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Once again, that's www.suicidepreventionlifeline.org. But more importantly, as Drew said, probably the best thing we can do is just be human and just listen. We're all going to be out there for a long time. So let's listen to Drew's advice and let's learn more about each other as our journeys share a couple miles together. Until then, please don't forget to give us a like and subscribe wherever you're getting your podcasts. And we can't wait to see you at home. We can't wait to see you in Leadville.